Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you? Good. Election season. Are you going to be up and make sure you hear everything's going on? Are you going to listen to the debate or that other thing that's going on? Uh, that's a good question. The debate or Trump and... Um, Tucker. You'll probably have two TVs here <laughs> watching them both or something. I'll tell you, I would, I would watch Trump and Tucker, I think, before the debate. Yeah, they, they would be talking about more the essence of the issues. The other is just, just sort of a gimmickry thing. How, how are we going to, you know, hurt somebody else, not yeah. to, how to present their case? Those are both interesting. The other candidates, in my opinion, with some exceptions, there are some exceptions, but they're really not that interesting. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, uh, what, what, I keep thinking, what are we going to learn? Sometimes there will be something new and different, and they'll go after somebody. But uh, I, I just want to talk for a second or two on um, what they're not going to be probably talking yeah, about. Yeah, you yeah. know, and uh, my prediction is that uh, there won't be a whole lot of talk about the Federal Reserve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're going to be talking much about that. I think if they talk about foreign policy, it will only be to reinforce our interventions foreign policy. I don't think you're, we're going to hear too much new and different and present an American foreign policy of, you know, getting out of these international agreements to go to war at the will of the president and the United Nations and NATO. I don't think that's going to happen. So there's going to be a lot of things that uh, they'll talk about, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, they get, they get, this is pretty what is disgusting about these debates. It, when they, they each get a chance to answer the question, they each have 60 seconds. Yeah. And they better wrap it down fast or, the, or I think I guess they're going to talk for two hours. The two hours will be up. So I don't, uh, I don't see there's too much, uh, you know, serious talk under that. So that means uh, if there's a little interview on another station, there's probably going to be a lot more serious talking about the issues. Or at least entertaining. Well, you can be sure that these candidates have spent hours with coaches and prep people, you know, practicing, getting ready, doing mock debates. Now, what was it like for you? How many, what was your team of people like doing a prep for your mock debate and all this when you were on a debate? Did you spend well, hours on questions? And No, I didn't because I, f I figured it, it would, uh, I wanted to be spontaneous because I had looked at issues for a long time and I knew my position. So I didn't want somebody coming, and there were quite a few requests. You sit down, we got to you know, tell you what's going on. I tell you what issues, what they might ask you, and this sort of thing. Well, I'll deal with it when I see it, because it was just uh, an additional bunch of information that if I try to, you know, work it into what I already think about the issue, I thought I'd be more confused than helped. So, so I, I, I didn't do that, and some people criticized me for it. But, but uh, I think it kind of worked out in the end. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have your famous envelope, though? Oh, no. we didn't have, you're not allowed to do that. Oh, that's right. Who, who, but uh, who, somebody tried writing on their arm once in an interview. So, no, no uh, but you, we were allowed to write notes, which oh, okay. I think is reasonable. Yeah. You know, if you think about it up there and you want to make a point, uh, that, that to me didn't seem true. unreasonable at all. Yeah. Well, here's what we're talking about. We're, we're not just having a coffee clash here. Uh, turn on that first clip because this is from the Washington Times. There's just a tell you what we're all about. RNC releases official list of eight primary debate participants. This came out this morning, I think. 
And this is uh, Rona McDaniel. She's the head chairman of the, uh, of the Republican. Lead up just for a second, please. She's the chairman of the Republican Party. And it says, McDaniel says she is excited despite lack of Trump. That is really interesting. Go to the next one. Here are the eight <coughs> people that some of America will be watching tonight. Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, Tim Scott, Doug Burgum, and Asa Hutchinson. And as for Trump, if you go to the next one, Trump announced his plans for tonight on his own social network. My interview with Tucker Carlson will be aired tonight at 9 p.m. Sparks will fly. Enjoy. So it's kind of an interesting showdown between these eight and Trump saying, hey, I'm going to have my own show at the same time. I bet Trump ends up with more time. Yeah, yeah more time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it'll be interesting. I think the most interesting thing will be how, how the competition is on the size of the audience. You know, and uh, you, you already said you'd pre probably prefer listening to, listening to Trump in that interview. But the other will be, you, you, even if somebody had some, you know, something to say seriously, what, what can you get out in, in 60 seconds yeah. if you're talking about well, what should we do? And you know, in different places. Of course, there were times when I could summarize what I should do overseas with yeah. with, with foreign policy. So some of the more serious things uh, can be simplified. Is when you're an interventionist and you believe in intervention, and what you're looking for is balance. And, uh, and you know, uh, like the Fed, the the Fed could do this this week, and they do something next week, and they ought to have that. So it's endless. And then when it comes to welfareism and taking care of everybody it's the interventionism the uh, the ability to start managing things and people I you know uh, I think their argument is I can manage it better than you can manage it there's there's not enough talk for as far as I'm concerned of do we need this thing do yeah. we need all this stuff and uh, I think the biggest challenge uh, that uh, anybody that takes our position is being able to have the time to say yes I don't believe in such and such federal insurance on so-and-so <gasps> that's <Yeah>. horrible <laughs> but maybe maybe the market can handle something better here you know but you don't have time to to explain yeah. you know the downside because the conventional wisdom uh, is government has to do it and maybe some people can do it better than others and and they're, and they're sort of stuck there it's so so much nicer to talk about freedom or non-freedom and uh, the the, the uh, approach to this with uh, property rights and freedom and and contracts and volunteerism it it makes so much sense and I'm convinced personally that it's so much better, yeah. you know. Well, you know, the, the thing that benefited you is that the conventional wisdom is so boring that when you came out and said something so different, people really paid attention because they were half asleep listening to everyone with the bumper stickers. So it was a kind of a secret weapon for you to come out and say something different. But you're right. All eight of those candidates are interventionists, especially overseas. Um, uh, I would even say I would put Ramaswamy in that category although he's a more thoughtful, a realist uh, interventionist, and certainly less so than the others. But I suspect what's going to happen is it's going to be a beat-up party against Ramaswamy because he's come out and said a couple of more or less reasonable things. I was just reading a piece in Newsweek where he was hammered for saying, I would freeze the current lines of control and would leave parts of the Donbass region with Russia. I would also further make a commitment that NATO would not admit Ukraine. Uh, and for that, he was pilloried. James Stavridis, a former admiral, I think he was, or something like that, was talking about this is appeasement like Hitler. But, you know, 
despite the fact that there are a lot of problems with that, he's the only one saying, you know, we need to step back from World War III. And I think that's going to make him a punching bag, certainly for Chris Christie uh, and probably for Mike Pence and maybe to a degree for um, DeSantis, who's also very interventionist and very much a neocon. See, th this commitment, the, the little bit of talk about, uh, you know, the commitment and he, he, he being a little bit different. The, to, to me, the, the thing is, if, if they talk about these technicalities and go along with it, they, they really ought to be talking about uh, who started the war, yeah. who's responsible, you know, what's, what's NATO's position, what should we do? And, and the American average voter, and, you know, they, fortunately, more and more Americans are saying, what are we doing it for? And they just need a lot of that. But if they finally get to the Republicans and the Republicans are, you know, uh, even at times a little less hawkish than the Democrats. And all it is is how, how soon do we drop the bombs? You know, and what do we do and who's going to get blamed? Do they ever really talk to talk about the basic? Why do we go to war with the people not having a, a, a part in a decision like voting to go to war? Yeah. I mean, they, they say, oh, well, this isn't real war. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a, a police action and that kind of nonsense. So that, that's, the, that's the real problem is it's tough getting out. We don't know how to get out. It takes 10 to 20 years to get out of the, some of these wars. Yeah. And yet they, uh, they spend about 10 minutes behind the scenes, you know, uh, starting a war. And that's usually done in secret. Yeah, uh, of course it is. Well, let's look at some of the polls. And I just grabbed this one uh, off of Twitter just to give us a sense of what's going on here. Now, this is a new national poll from Interactive Polls, August 22nd. Uh, and it says... Uh, Trump at uh, for President Trump at 43, Biden at 38, uh, Biden at 37, DeSantis at 34. So it looks like a head-to-head -head with the two of them would be the benefit of having Trump. For the GOP presidential, Trump is in at 60, DeSantis 16, Ramaswamy 6, Pence 4, Scott 3, Haley 3, and Christie 1. Head-to-head, -head, Trump is 67 to DeSantis is 26. So those are the numbers that we're looking at. Now, betting odds is often even more accurate. Let's look at that next one, the same uh, group. But here's the betting odds. 68.1% for Trump, up 0.4% in the last day, with Ramaswamy beating out DeSantis at 13.5% and DeSantis going down 0.2% at 7.4%. These are the, punny, the people who are putting their money where their mouth is. So... Interesting to look at it going in, I think. I, I think there's no doubt that Ramaswamy is stating a principle. Yeah. He might not be agreeing with us on it, but at least he states it clearly. Yeah, and, yeah. and when he disagrees, it was it was cordial and polite. You know, we had him on our program, yeah. and uh, I, I thought it was worthwhile. Uh, and uh, yet I think it's the fact that people say, well, he's... He's telling us the truth. Yeah. He's, he's leaning toward actually telling us what he believes in. But, you know, uh, from my experience, my meager experience about debates, I don't think there is such a thing that they can create with these large crowds uh, a fair debate. You know, because uh, yeah. there's always a, 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 a interviewer that's going to be biased. They always say it's going to be fair. Now, the way I understand this rule, at least they uh, they alluded to this, is that uh, the questions will be asked. Everybody gets the answer, and they get 60 seconds. 
Well, that's not going to happen. I predict that there will be some, especially if they gang up on somebody, there's going to be a bias against it. And there always, there always seem to be a bias. I mean, how can you have... Uh, how can you have these particular uh, te television stations put their people up and they're holding it? Yeah. So it's real hard to find a neutral person. They're out there. There are people we could name a few that would be willing at least to, you know, uh, have an interview and be honest and above approach and be trusted. But right right now, I think there'll be something in there that will come across, especially if somebody's being is is coming across very favorable and doing very well, yeah. and and they get nervous about that. Well, we can't have him saying that. So then they'll be uh, sort of ganging up and something unfair about it. And even, even the people running the uh, debate uh, will be biased. Yeah, one of the things I haven't <clears throat> been able to figure out, and we haven't talked about this, so I don't even know how much you've followed it, I'm sure you have or thought about it, but I was a little bit surprised, A, that DeSantis ran this year. He's a young guy, uh, he's, you know, he's making his bones over in Florida. A, that he ran, and B, that he ran, to my opinion at least, such a bad campaign, such a shabby campaign. What were your thoughts when you saw him running? Well, I was, I was confused because I, I didn't know what he was up to. But in one way, if you look at the politics of what's going on, when he made that decision, it was at the height of uh, in the lockdown. Yeah. The people were getting upset, even though he had a weaker position. But he, he, was, uh, he sensed that the people were getting disgusted with this, and he really did lead the charge. Yeah. So if they had the primary race, uh, you know, a year ago, uh, it was much better. It was only the one issue. And I don't think uh, the way I see all of them is they don't work it into a uh, definable uh, principled policy that they have. Yeah. Well, I'm going to follow the Constitution, even if I might like to have this done, uh, I'm going to follow the Constitution. And, be, and besides, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, in a free society, you solve these problems better than all. But you didn't hear that. Yeah. And I think it was all one, one issue, and he deserves credit for it, even, uh, even with the shortcomings. But uh, there were so many others, so much worse. And it's true, you know, that Florida, Florida has come across as a place you'd rather be in than yeah. New York. Oh, yeah. You know, if you were voting, if you were looking at that. But you're probably right about, uh, you know, timing. Timing is a big deal. Uh, and it, there's, there's two things. Uh, if you're running to offer something that is truly a, an alternative and precise and you really believe in it, you know, you, you don't think about, about those things. But if you're doing the timing, that's another yeah. political variable that uh, I didn't get too, too worried about that. <laughs> Yeah, the thing that, I mean, we've spent a lot of time praising DeSantis because he did, a, he, when, when it was all around us was darkness, yeah. there was DeSantis. Remember that time he went out and he had a beer with the motorcycle guys, you know, and without a mask on, and he was a hero. And that's why it was, it's, it's been so surprising to see. I think one of the mistakes that he's made is just going after Trump so hard, making it personal. Now, Trump can, if, if you want to be nasty to a and make it personal, Trump is the champion, right? <laughs> he will make up a name about you, and he that's just how it is. You know, playing that game, I think, was a mistake. And that's where I think Ramaswamy has been much more clever because he's been more careful. We've talked about it on the show. He's been more careful. He said, yeah, I'm running against Trump, but the way they're railroading him, we're using this lawfare is wrong. I would pardon him. Uh, you know, I, he's not a terrible guy. And I think everyone's talking about 
because Ramaswamy is sur surging, quote unquote, in the polls. He's getting, he's increasing in the polls. I think this might be some of the reason why he's increasing. You know, what's this um, pressure put on by the party? Will you take an oath that you will support the nominee? I think that's the dumbest thing in the world. What if, his, what if, what if Liz Cheney pulls it off? <laughs> that's what I would have done. I said, do you think I'm going to vote for Liz Cheney and support her? You know, if, if, I th but nobody, nobody did. They, they kept hemming and hawing, you know, yeah. by, oh, oh, yeah, we should be a party. We should stick together, never give up. And that's why uh, party politics, uh, I was never too enthralled with with. Uh, political parties because uh, there's a lot of shenanigans go on there. But no, I think that, I think it would be, uh, I think it'd be foolish. I, I don't know whether Trump's lost anything on that. He might have, he might, it's sort of not an, as much of an issue as it was, you know, yeah. weeks ago. But, but I, I just think it was ridiculous. Oh, anybody we elect, well, what if they don't believe in anything I believe yeah. in? And, and they out there, I mean, uh, I just think if they were, I mean, if, if somebody was ready to start World War III and they say, well, he's a Republican. Yeah. Well, I, I think it'd be crazy. And be, be, besides, uh, if you're running on that campaign and you have any support, the people would expect you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I could be wrong, but I think I heard RFK said that he wouldn't support Biden. I could be wrong on that, but he, that would make sense, though, if he said that. And maybe one of the reasons why Ramaswamy is doing better, continues to do better, is that he's more realistic on foreign policy, even though we don't agree with him completely. He's more realistic, and maybe that's why someone like Christie is just universally hated, <laughs> uh, despised, because he's, he's terrible. And in fact, here, here's, here's Christie in a, <coughs> in a nutshell. If you put this next one, here he is. <coughs> Excuse me. Christie, here's a Politico article. I don't want to be the apple of Vladimir Putin's eye. Christie breaks with GOP rivals on foreign policy. Well, that's fake. He doesn't break with rivals. He only broke with Ramaswamy on that being nasty. And here's Christie being nasty again, <coughs> if we can go ahead. Um, Chris Christie says, if Trump is indicted in Georgia, the U.S. will have the front runner for the Republican nomination for president out on bail in four different jurisdictions. When are we going to stop pretending that's normal? And here's one more. Sorry if I, this is, I know, grossing everyone out, but one more with Christie, and that really is his natural expression. I think his best look is right there on the right. Chris Christie on Donald Trump's refusal to debate. If he believes he's the best person to go up against Joe Biden, then show up Wednesday night and stop being such a coward. To that, I would say, what do you think, if someone were to ask you, he's ahead by a long shot. And if you were his advisor and he said, hey, Ron, should I go on, should I do this debate? What would you tell him? I say, how do you feel about it? You like, would you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you think it'd be beneficial? Uh, you know, uh, I'm not critical of him because he didn't do yeah. it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I worried more about why, when I was doing reasonably well, they wouldn't let me come would to let the you debate. Go to the, maybe that's and why. I, yeah. I did have a position. But, you know, I think this whole thing of back and forth, uh, and it's still done frequently by the Democrats. They're, they're wringing their hands because uh, they still believe that the more we charge Trump with being, uh, you know, a criminal, the better what just this past week he yeah. raised another way, $8 million, yeah. you know, because another indictment. But he he is charged with, I think, about 90, 92 felony yeah. charges against yeah. him. And, uh, and then they still wonder why they're not believable. 
you, you know, uh, that, well, we, he's such an evil person. And, uh, oh, what about that stuff about uh, Biden and his son? Oh, oh, oh. That, that's, that's not true. Yeah. You know, uh, just remember uh, Russiagate, how bad uh, <laughs> Trump, oh, you mean they disproved that at <laughs> Russiagate? <laughs> Exactly. It's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> well, here's an interesting little aspect. And I, I think Trump is, in my opinion, Trump is right not to go. Why would you? You never punch down. He's so far up, he's got nothing to gain. He would be up there being the punching bag for everyone. And I, what's the point in that? I think he's making the smarter choice, just my opinion. Nobody's asked me for advice. And here's just a fun little thing. Tim Poole from TimCast did a little poll on Twitter just asking, are you watching the lesser-known GOP debate or the Tucker and Trump interview tonight? And uh, from just this very informal thing, 79.7 are going to watch Trump and Tucker <laughs> and 20% are going to watch the GOP. And here's what makes it interesting. And this is not original thought in my head, but I, it, it, it's funny because if you here is Trump and Tucker Carlson. And I hadn't realized that the debate is being hosted by Fox. A lot of loyal Trump, uh, Tucker fans are Trump fans and they hate Fox for firing Tucker. So it's almost this rivalry between Tucker and Fox. Yeah, Trump, uh, you know, was friendly at one time, but boy, he's not a friend of Fox anymore. No, yeah, yeah. And uh, and he'll he'll be delighted. Uh, he and he's always he's almost like the kind of person to say, I, you know, uh, you know, I told those people at Fox, don't mess with me. Yeah. You know, that's an attitude. He yeah, has. he does. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I, if I were a betting man, and I'm not, I would put money on. Tucker beating Fox tonight, you know, in terms <laughs> of viewership. So yeah. we'll see. Well, let's move on from one little update that we wanted to do. If we can put that next one on. Now, antiwar.com did a great job of covering it as they do. But here's the original New York Times article. Ukraine's forces and firepower are misallocated, U.S. officials say. Go to the next one. This is from the New York Times article. Ukraine's grinding counteroffensive is struggling to break through entrenched Russian defenses in large part because it has too many troops, including some of the best combat units, in the wrong places, American and other Western officials say. And I think this goes along with what we've been talking about on the show lately, Dr. Paul, which is now that things are obviously going very, very bad for Ukraine. The U.S., the experts in the U.S. government uh, and think tanks are saying, whoa, 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 don't blame us. It's your guys' <laughs> fault. You did it the wrong way. Yeah, there was a report today about the F-16s coming from the Netherlands. It wasn't until end of next year, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. And, uh, the, 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 and and so much of the weaponry, they always, it was old. And I keep thinking, but you don't understand. That opens up the market, and more and more money flows into the coffers of the military-industrial complex. So uh, it's just, it just amazes me how how inconsistent the, the progressives can be because, you know, there was a time, yeah. you know, that they would be good. They were against uh, the military industrial complex and, and corporations like the pharmaceutical company. Now they're gun ho over the whole thing. And uh, it, uh, it makes no sense whatsoever, but they also lose credibility over yeah. it. Eventually the people wake up on that. And maybe someday there'll be somebody that'll write a song that really point out how stupid it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> well, we know from Tucker talking to Doug McGregor a couple of days ago, McGregor uh, has uh, said from his sources that 
there have been about 500,000 casualties on Ukraine's side. And that's a horrific, horrific amount of casualties. And so you're talking about a very, very large scale war, the biggest war since World War II. Uh, and, and so that's why it's so interesting, in my view, to see these American military experts saying, well, you guys are doing so bad, it's not our fault, you're just doing it wrong, you're not doing combined arms warfare. Well, the first thing we do is we have air superiority in every conflict, and we also never fought a peer power since World War II. It's always been Libya, Iraq, Serbia. You know, we've never fought a peer power, and we've always had air dominance. Well, they don't have it. And this is actually, believe it or not, you got to dig down in the New York Times article to find something actually a little interesting. And if you can move ahead, skip that next one and go to the next one, American officials' criticisms. Because I think this is a little bit of a glimmer of truth in this article. Because here they are attacking and criticizing Ukraine. It's all, you far, all your fault, you dummies. You didn't do what we told you. Well, here's from the article. American officials' criticisms of Ukraine's counteroffensive are often cast through the lens of a generation of military officers who have never experienced a war on this scale and intensity. Moreover, American war doctrine has never been tested in an environment like Ukraine's, where Russian electronic warfare jams communication and GPS, and neither military has been able to achieve air superiority. That last part is incorrect. However, that's a very interesting statement they made there, I think. You know, thinking about this unnecessary war, this manufactured war for various reasons, 500,000 uh, casualties, this is, this is horrible, it's so, so bad. But at the same sense, most people will, you know, sort it out. If you lose 500,000 uh, people from uh, all of the Soviet Union or all of the United States or something, that percentage is, is much lower. Yeah. But I just wonder, that is not a big country over the yeah, Ukraine. Yeah. It just doesn't have, you know, millions of people to go to. So, so percentage-wise, uh, no wonder they had to say, you know, they uh, had to say, well, maybe if people are admitting you can't win this war. Even the people who've been gun ho over yeah. this, oh, yeah. you know, I guess they decided, well, maybe, you know, we stretched it too far and we could get away with it. Uh, but, you know, if we stick with this, we might hurt our reputation. Yeah. Yeah, so. Well, you remember in the Iraq war when things were going very badly and there's no way they could deny it anymore. How many of these people who were so gung ho, well, I wasn't really uh, for it. That Well, if they hadn't done it this, yeah. then, you know, they yeah. always do that. But here's the thing that is most repulsive, and you're the one that suggested that we bring this up, and I think it's a good point, because if McGregor is anywhere near, if his sources are anywhere near being correct, and you have half a million casualties, this is what makes it even more disgusting to hear what the U.S. is complaining about. If you can do the next one, this is from Anti-War. They lose a half a million to death and injury, and the U.S. fears Ukraine is too casualty-averse. <laughs> Could you imagine if... We have been plunged into a war like this, and we lost a half a million men. And someone said, come on, get over it. Suck you, it up. You, yeah. you didn't send enough sacrificing <laughs> troops enough in there. Yeah. You, you, uh, no, it's such a horror. This is why, uh, you know, the founders uh, were pretty smart people because they anticipated this type of operation when you don't have restraints. And they also knew that the restraints put in the Constitution might not work if you end up with a bunch of immorality in the government that they don't have, they don't believe that uh, taking an oath of office, they, they have to believe that's the biggest joke in the world, but they don't call it a joke 
what they say is just a modern interpretation of the Constitution. <laughs> you have to you have to have not an over rigid and we can justify this by look they've been doing it for years and the courts will rule this way. You know all this. Stuff. So the the founders did it with with an idea that it was a good idea. I think they knew it wasn't perfect, but the one thing they knew it wasn't perfect were the people that drifted into politics. <laughs> and I would say that in these last uh, well more than a couple decades in this century there's been a gradual deterioration of the people who gr grasp uh, you know the power and uh, have they have no concern at all they 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 think it's a joke obeying the constitution yeah. well, that's so old and, you know, <laughs> and i've been told that poor to my face in a congressional senate yeah that's you right know, that's, that's, we don't do that anymore come on, <laughs> come on man uh, <laughs> Well, I'll close out by reminding our, pe our, our, our viewers, and thank you for being our viewers, put on that next, next clip if you can, which way America is our conference coming up on September 2nd. There are still some tickets left. You're going to want to hear Ron Paul speaking. You're going to want to hear Colonel Doug McGregor, Jonathan Turley, who you see on Fox News, Max Blumenthal of the Gray Zone. This is a very diverse group. Mike Flahos from talking at the uh, Naval War College, um, former CIA. This is going to be a very diverse, very interesting group. You're going to want to get your tickets. I'll put, a, I'll put a link in the description. If you don't see it, go to ronpaulinstitute.org and up in the upper right hand you'll see a link to get your tickets and come join us. Over to you, Dr. Paul. Very good. Now, I want to finish by emphasizing something I've talked about a lot before, and that is think about one step before these wars start. And uh, in, in this case, uh, I think the understanding by the American people, who started this war? And they say, oh, Russia. Russia invaded Ukraine, and that's it. I imagine, you know, I imagine half the people don't have the idea and don't have a big, strong opinion about it, but the ones that do are still believing in that. And yet, uh, it, th that is not true. So I think seeking truth about who really precipitated this makes a big difference. So yes, we have the interventionists. Oh, well, if we just had a little bit more air power, if we'd have just had this, if we'd have just had the, uh, the Ukrainians willing to risk the lives of another hundred thousand kids that, that this would all be different it's all this uh, you know modify the intervention but if you're going to do it more strategically with an understanding of what the rule of law ought to be and and telling the truth so the american people need to know the truth uh, the how this war got started and it is not a war against Ukraine, against Russia. It's a war of NATO precipitating a war against Russia. And they sacrificed, you know, the Ukraine and doing it and they don't care about it. And there's a lot of people made a lot of money. Millions of dollars, billions of dollars. No, it'll probably be in trillions of dollars before it's been going on. So I think it's time it stopped. And I sure wish there was a, a, a greater debate going on with a presidential campaign coming up. But with the, the whole thing is just one person, even a, a, one leader saying one thing, uh, doesn't solve the problem of the people understanding it. Uh, and that is why they use fear-mongering and uh, also patriotic zeal to get people to go along with that. So if you don't agree with the warmongers, then you're on America and we'll punish you for that. So I think if we would tell the truth more often by our government and at least admit our participating 
in, in uh, man managing and expanding our empire is a big problem and we ought to work to stop that nonsense. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.